You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Wow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Ernest. Such a, a wonderful time that we can just worship at Jesus together. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Ben, and I'm uh, the pastor here. And, and it's always a joy, always a joy to be able to teach the Word of God with you uh, this morning. But before I do that, uh, I just want to um, share with you some of the things around the corner to really encourage you and to really get you to uh, see uh, the heartbeat of this church here. Um, the first thing is that uh, we've got a Christmas Eve uh, kind of festival that the, the, the vision for this is that on Sunday, the 24th of December, that's a Sunday, we're not going to have our worship service in the morning. So if you decide to come here on Sunday morning for worship, uh, God will be here because he's everywhere, <laughs> but I won't be here, all right? Uh, we're all going to prepare for our Christmas Eve festival where the, the vision is to have a, a, a time of worship, a production for our community. Because you do know that we reach the Aramore students next door, the uh, playgroup community of, of WA, uh, the homeless community in the city, and of course the leadable community. And we want to say this is for you. Uh, come and experience Christmas with us. And the vision is to actually have parents and kids come here and we sing carols and we just enjoy a time together. So there'll be no kids' church. So uh, obviously churches, you know, three, 400 people here. And so the picture is we're gonna have probably two, two shows. One earlier for those with young children and one a bit later. And then at the very top of the oval, uh, picture this with me, we've got bouncy cars, we've got food trucks, we've got live entertainment. And so we want people to just go and enjoy some food and then come for the show. And so that's happening uh, two and a half months from now. And so my encouragement is that if you are gonna be in Perth and you're not traveling and, and, and you wanna help out, we would love for you to help out. There are many ways in which you can help out. Just go to the info bar and there's some information there. That's the first one. The second one here I want to plug is our, um, put it on the screen, <laughs> what is it? It is a Monday learning space, Monday learning space. Now starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow here at 7.30 for the next eight weeks, uh, Brian Chan, who is just like so smart, so wise, he's like brains with legs, Brian just knows everything, right? And Brian is actually going to be teaching us, and I'm going to support Brian, uh, the Bible. So think it like this, four weeks of the Old Testament, four weeks of the New Testament, and you get a very good overview of the Bible. And so when you decide to open up a minor prophet, you know, all oh, right, that's, oh, Amos, oh, that's Jonah, okay. Or when you open up an epistle, oh, right, so that's Peter's writing, oh, that's Paul's writing. And you get an idea of God's story for us in the Bible. And so we're going through the whole Bible in eight weeks. So I suggest this is for everyone, right? Don't go, oh, you know what? I've been a Christian for 10 years. It's not for me. I know it all. Well, I suggest if you're a leader, this should be for you because you're, you're discipling people. You want to know a bit about the Bible. And we're talking about God's uh, plan for us 
in salvation history. So I highly recommend that this is for anyone who wants to grow deeper in the understanding of Scripture. And to do that, Infobar, you can register there, church app, website. And the last thing I want to promote is Alpha. This Wednesday, we are going to launch Alpha again. The vision for this year was to do Alpha twice, term two and term four. Why are we doing Alpha? Because we want to introduce to our family and friends the one we are following. That we know that following Jesus is so good and we want to introduce our friends, our family to Jesus. That's all we want to do. Now, whether or not they say yes to following Jesus, that's not our job. Do you know that? Do you know that conversion is not your work, it's God's work? But the ability to share and introduce Jesus, that's your work. And so Alpha is a wonderful tool, and I know it's three days from today, start praying, start inviting. We want you to come, we want you to invite your family and friends. I'm pretty sure there's someone in your world that needs Jesus. Take this opportunity to share Jesus to them. And um, if you wanna know more, again, the info bar. And I would love to see you and your family and friends come and be part of Alpha. It's a wonderful uh, opportunity to share a meal, watch some videos, and ask questions about this Jesus we are following. Amen? Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, before we look into Colossians chapter 2, I just want to say this. As I was worshiping with you, um, I, I, I felt God really, I, I know it was from God. God was really pleased with uh, those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So I want you to know that. I don't know whether that's for anyone here, but just keep it up. You might struggle to be here. You might have had a, I don't know, an issue just driving here, but I want you to know that your father is so pleased when you set time aside to say, this is all about you. And I'm singing to you, uh, it's hard, it's tough, but I choose to fix my affection towards you. So I don't know if that's for anyone, just know that God was really, really pleased with you. Okay. Um, you know, Disney World executives were wondering around 10 years ago, what most captured the attention of toddlers and infants as they walked through their theme parks? So around 10 years ago, they employed some cultural anthropologists to study little children, right, as they came through the gates of their theme parks. Well, you know, was it the roller coasters that captured their attention? Maybe it was the sweet smelling snacks. Or was it the friendly cartoon characters, the energetic dances, the colorful toys up for purchase? Well, these cultural anthropologists discovered what most attracted and captivated the the audience, the attitude of these little ones. Take a guess. Are you ready for it? Mobile phones. Their parents' mobile phones, especially when their parents were on it. See, their little eyes were watching their parents, and they noticed that their parents were so concerned with the mobile phones that for them, they thought that these little gadgets must be so important. So they began to fix their eyes upon these mobile phones and no longer paid much attention to their surrounding environments. You know, studies have shown that what captures our attention actually wires our brains, our neurons. So what we focus on 
ends up controlling our thoughts and our actions, our values, and eventually our lives. The mind is so powerful. Augustine, he says this about the mind. The mind commands the body, and it instantly obeyed. Uh, Clinical neuroscientist Caroline Leaf, she says this about the mind. Your body is not in control of your mind. Your mind is in control of your body, and your mind is stronger than your body. Mind certainly is over matter. You see, Satan, right, will try to capture our attention with the things of this world in order to shift our focus away from Jesus. Satan does not want Jesus to be the center of your life. Satan wants anything other than Jesus as your center. And ultimately, what he does is that he wants us to treat Jesus as being normal, ordinary, predictable, reducing Jesus to someone that we think of once a week on a Sunday. You know, um, Trent and I, um, we live not too far from UWA, the University of Western Australia. And on my drive home from work from here, I usually pass the iconic uh, blue boat shed as a photo right here. You know, the famous shed that people would line up just to take that Instagram-worthy shot. You know, the first few months of living in the area, I would take my time on my drive home, you know, appreciating the scenic drive as I gaze into the majestic Swan River, you know, passing by all those risking their lives to cross the highway so that they can get to the blue shed. It was a great drive. I loved every moment of it. Fast forward to today. We've been living there for now nearly 15 years. I'm not even thinking about the blue shed anymore. You know, I'm not taking my time driving home. I mean, I'm still driving under the speed limit, okay? (laughs) Still under the speed limit. All right, you can still see the halo. But my attention is no longer on the Swan River. Not the blue shed or those crazy tourists trying to dodge traffic. The drive is now normal. It's a normal drive, it's just so predictable, it's an average A to B. We've got to be careful that Jesus is never normal. We never reduce Jesus to someone that is just so average. And that's a, a, a tool that Satan loves to use as he captivates our attention and shifts it away from Jesus and Jesus no longer becomes that wonderful God that we love. Uh, Dane Ortland, in his book Deeper, he says this, make your growth journey a journey into Christ himself. Explore uncharted regions of who he is. Resist the tendency We all have to whittle him down to our own preconceived expectation of what he must be like. Let him surprise you. Let his fullness arrest you and buoy you along. Let him, in all his endless fullness, love you into growth. You see? Now, why am I telling you all this? For the Colossians, they were told by Paul to put their faith in Jesus. But some false teachers came along and said, well, there's more to that. There's more to the gospel. 
You need to be circumcised. You need to follow certain dietary laws. You've got to be able to speak to angels. You've got to have this ecstatic experience. And then you will have the fullness of God. Can you imagine these young Christians hearing this for the first time? They're confused. They're wondering, did we miss something? Uh, we, we thought that Jesus was all we needed. And I could imagine when they heard these teachings from these false teachers, it deflated them and really discouraged them. So Paul, he begins to write. And now we're at chapter two. Look what he says in chapter two, verses one to three. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom all hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see what Paul is saying? He's saying to them, I'm worried for you. Some translation will say, I'm struggling for you. I want to encourage you. I want to remind you of the riches in Christ. Don't listen to these false teachers. Keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus, the beauty of Jesus. Look in verse four. He says this, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine sounding arguments. He says, I'm telling you all this because I don't want anyone to trick you or fool you with what they're saying, what you're hearing in the church. Now go with me to verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive. The Greek word here is to kidnap you through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. You see what he's doing? He says, I don't want you to be captured and kidnapped with all these teaching. I want you to look at Christ. Keep your eyes fixed upon Christ. Focus on Jesus. And he begins to remind them the beauty of Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to remind you of the beauty of Jesus, that nothing in this world will capture your attention and shift you from keeping your eyes and keeping yourself focused on Jesus, amen? And there's four things that I see in the text I wanna teach you. So let me pray and we'll dive into the text. So Father God, I pray now that would you help me as I teach your word. Holy Spirit, would you use me? Would you speak to your people in this time? May we leave this morning loving Jesus even more, that our eyes are always fixed upon the beauty of Jesus and nothing in this world will capture our attention except you alone. So would you help me, Lord? I need you right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Do you have your Bible? Tell with me to Colossians chapter two. You have the church app. Open up the church app. There's four things that we see. Here's the first one in verses nine and 10. There's a possession. There's something that they have. Look with me in verses nine and 10. He says, for in him, that's in Jesus, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Stop right there. What does he say? He says, Jesus is the fullness of God. Now, this is not the first time he's mentioned this. Because if you remember last week when James taught us last week in chapter 1, verses 15, go with me, just the previous chapter, verses 15, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. 
So he's saying that the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who was with Daniel in the lion's den, the God who spoke through the prophets, the God who created the universe, the God who inspired the writing of scripture, the God who is in complete control, this God is fully present in human form in the man Jesus. Nothing of God is missing in Jesus. He says, if you have Jesus, you have God in his fullness. But look what he says again in verse 10. He says, you have been filled in him. Some translation says, you have been made complete in him. The language here is this, when you are full or filled or made complete, there's no room for anything else. That's the language. Now, who can remember the last time your loved one, whether it's your wife or your husband or your mother, cooked you your favorite dish? You know, my lovely wife, Tran, here. Tran knows that I love a faux Okay, that's how you say faux not faux, faux. Okay, and, and, and I must confess, I must confess, this is not, this is not a picture of trans <laughs> Because trans is a lot better than this. Ooh, he is smooth. All right. <laughs> but when Tran cooks this, right, and she spends hours cooking the broth and getting things prepared, she is not going to give me a kitty-sized portion. No. She's not going to give me an entree-sized portion. She gives me a man's portion. We're talking a big bowl, a really big bowl, and she wants me to eat it all. And I'm not gonna leave anything behind. I wouldn't dare leave any soup behind. I have to eat it all, and she knows that when I eat it all, I am so full. Now, have you been to the point where you've had something you really enjoy, and you just push as much in as possible to the point where you know it hurts to breathe? (laughs) Just the thought of laughing can be quite serious medically, right? And you get so full. And the language here is this fullness of God when you are filled with Him, when you are made complete with Him, there is no room for anything else. And what Paul is saying to the Colossians is that if they have Jesus, there is nothing more to be had. Jesus is all that they needed. So when these false teachers said, well, you're lacking. Oh, you need a bit more. Paul says, no, you have Jesus, the fullness of God. There's nothing more. Place your trust in Jesus and he is all that you need. Friends, what is the world telling you today? What is capturing your attention today? What is the world telling you that you're lacking today? Is the world saying things that you need more Money to be complete. You need to get married to be complete. You need the next big investment to be complete. You need to be loved by someone to be complete. You need more social media followers and likes to be complete. Friends, let me remind you what the Word of God is telling us this morning that God's word is very, very clear, that we are already made complete in Jesus. 
there's nothing more. If you have Jesus, and if Jesus is all that you have, he's all that you need because you're complete in him. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So for some of you here this morning, if the world is telling you, you must have this to be complete, I'm here to tell you what the word of God is saying. Is that if you have Jesus, you are complete. There's no need for anything more than Jesus. C.S. Lewis, he says this, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. That is so wonderful. That's the reason why there are people around the world who may not be as blessed as us, but they have Jesus and that's all they need. They're complete in Jesus. And I want you to understand that because this world here will want to capture our attention to tell us that we're lacking something and that Jesus is not it. There's more to Jesus. But we need to be reminded that in Jesus, we have the fullness of God and there's no need for anything more except Jesus. Amen. That's the possession that you and I have today. Number two, identification. We see in verses 11, he says here, in him, that's in Jesus, also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You know, circumcision was a sign for the Jews that they were God's covenantal people. In other words, they belonged to God. It was like a membership to God's family. And this would go back from Genesis 17, when God said to Abraham, Abraham, you are to be circumcised and all your male descendants must be circumcised as a sign that they belong to God's family. Now, we get to the New Testament, right? And Paul, he argues against circumcision. And he says, it's no longer a sign that you belong to God. It's pointless, it's meaningless, it's redundant. Look what he says. This is Paul in Romans 2, 28 and 29. He says, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. See what Paul is doing? He's saying membership to God's family is not a physical thing, but now a spiritual thing. So when you place your faith in Jesus at your conversion, you have been circumcised. Not a physical circumcision with the hand, but a spiritual circumcision of the heart by God himself. And God would mark your heart and my heart through his Holy Spirit. And at that point, you have a new identity. You belong to God's family. Now, for the Colossians, can you imagine when they heard these false teachers saying, well, you Colossians, you're all Gentiles. You're non-Jews. Therefore, you're not really part of God's family unless you are circumcised. I would have felt, I would imagine a lot of these uh, Colossians would have felt like second-rate Christians. Would you imagine? They would have felt, oh, oh no. So all these false teachers, they're like the, uh, they're like the elite Christians. They're like the all-star A-team Christians. And we, the Colossians, the Gentile followers, we're the minor league, you know, bottom of the team Christians. We feel so out of place. 
And Paul says, no, no, no. You place your faith in Jesus, you have a new identity. You have been circumcised. It is not a physical, but a spiritual circumcision. You belong to God's family, and no one can take that away. That is your new identity. You know, in the city of Perth, I've been a pastor here now for a few years now, and sometimes I hear things in the city of Perth, right? And when I hear them, it makes me feel that I don't belong to God's family. And I think if we're not careful, some of the things that we hear in this city can make us feel like we're second-rate Christians. You know, I've heard things like, you know, you've got experience, they say to me, Bin, you've got experience the Shekinah glory of God. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I haven't experienced the Shekinah glory of God yet. And I kind of feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not even, am I even part of the whole Christian family? You know, I've heard people say things like, you know, I've been your church, Sun Life Church. You need to see some people slain in the spirit. Come on, get them forward and let them go flying a few seats back. It hasn't happened here. And I go, gee, Am I really part of God's family when I hear that? I've heard people say to other Christians, you know, unless you speak in tongues, oh, unless you speak in tongues and the louder it is, the better it is. Unless you dream and have vision and the weirder the dreams, the better it is. Unless your church is one where there's laughter, endless laughter, the louder it is, the more holier it is. And I hear these things and I go, oh my goodness, I feel like I'm a second-rate Christian. I feel like, am I missing something? Am I really there yet? Is, is there two categories of Christianity? Are there the elite ones and then the sub-minor league ones? That's me. And I would imagine these Christians in Colossae would have felt the same. And Paul says, no, you've already been circumcised. You have a new identity. You're part of God's family and no one can take that away. I wanna say this to you. Sun Life Church, that when you place your faith in Jesus, on that conversion, God circumcised your heart. You have been marked and you belong to Him. And do not let anyone tell you anything else. You belong to Him. He has incorporated you into His family. You are now sons and daughters of God, not by your works, not by the works of any other person, but the works of God Himself as He marked your heart and you now have a new identity. You belong to Him. Look what he says right here, Paul, in Galatians 3, 26, 28. He says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. In other words, the day you placed your trust in Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. There is neither a spiritual first-class Christian and a non-spiritual second-class Christian. No, we are all one in Christ because... Christ circumcised our heart when we place our trust in Jesus. We have a new identity. We are part of the family. Amen? And how good is that? I would imagine for these Colossians, they were like, yes, we don't have to be circumcised because it's really done in the heart. Amen? Number three, 
there's a regeneration. Now look in verse 12 and 13. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. You know what he's saying right here? He's talking about baptism, but listen carefully. He's not talking about water baptism, all right? Water baptism is a public display of what Paul is describing right here in the text, okay? Let me explain this. The reason why Christians are baptized, why you should be baptized, is because you want the world to know that you love Jesus and you are following Jesus. You want your family and friends to know that you love Jesus. It is a symbol of your death. So when you go into the water, you're covered with water, means that you're buried. And when someone's buried, it means that they are dead. Is that right? Death to the old self. And, and, and what you hope is that the person baptizing you is that after three seconds will get you out of the water, right? Because if they don't get you out of the water after a few seconds, it becomes a real physical death, right? And we don't want to see that here at Sun Life Church, I, I promise you. No more than 30 seconds, right? <laughs> and as you come out of the water, what is that? That represents what? A new life, right? So can I say this, and I'm going to sidetrack a bit, is that if you love Jesus... If you are following Jesus, and, and look, no, no one's perfect. We're all struggle in the way we follow Jesus. But if you love Jesus, and if you are following Jesus, I want you to let the world know your master. And I want you to be obedient to the word of God that you should get baptized. In fact, we have a baptism service, I believe, next month in uh, November the 12th. Okay, you should be baptized. If you love Jesus and if you are following Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, I highly recommend and I advise that you get baptized. And you're like, well, you know, I'm not ready yet. And pastor, you know, uh, I'm not holy yet. Look around you. None of us here, we're holy. Or pastor, you don't, you don't get it. I still struggle with my sin. I'm still a sinner. Yeah, okay, look around you. We're all sinners. Every single one, me too, we're all sinners. Oh, pastor, I don't like water. I've heard that before. 67% of your body is made of water. You better like water. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'll be kind, I'll actually increase the temperature. I'll make it warm. 17 degrees. <laughs> Wake you up. Jokes aside, can I say this? That if you haven't been baptized and you are following Jesus, you should be baptized because in your baptism, you're pointing to what Jesus did in your heart the day you received him. That you also died to the old and you have been raised to the new. And that's what we see in the text. See, what Paul is saying to the Colossians is that when you place your trust in Jesus, you have died with him, the old gone, and you're now made alive in the new. So theologically, we call that a new birth or regeneration. You have been made new. You know, many uh, years ago, um, my, one of my iPhones, old iPhones, uh, stopped charging and it had a, a battery issue. So I 
took it to the iPhone store in the city of Perth, and I told them, hey, you know what, my phone is not charging, there's something wrong with my phone. And they ran some tests, right, they ran some tests, and they found out it was a fault, and instead of fixing the phone, you know what they did? They gave me a replacement refurbished phone. Now, how good is that, eh? Now, you don't get that with the Android people, you definitely get that with the Apple people, right? Now, now the refurbished phone, it looked new, there was not a scratch on it. It even had that little nice protective layer, the film that you can peel off. And they even gave me a 12-month warranty. How good was that? And I left that store like on top of the world because I was leaving with a new phone. Do you know that when you place your trust in Jesus, you are not refurbished? You are not renovated. You're not brushed up. You're a new person. You're made new. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You are a new person. Never, ever forget that. Because there's always going to be a day where the old person will start speaking to you. And the old self will be bringing things up from the past. Hurts of the past failures of the past, and you are to say out loud, that is not me. The old has gone, the new is here. I am new in Christ. I have a new beginning. I have a new purpose. I have a new destiny. I have a new life. I am new in Christ. And you say that loud, because I know that every now and then, the flesh, the old, will always bring up something of the past. You're not that good. I know what you did last summer. You say, no, the old is gone, the new is here. I am new. I am new in Christ, and I have a new start. I have a new beginning. I have a new purpose. There's a new destiny, and I have a new chapter. I am new. Must never forget that. And that's what we have in our regeneration, that every one of us here who placed their trust in Jesus, you have been made new. Never, ever forget that, amen. And fourthly, we see a cancellation. Now look what happens now at the very end. It says in verse 14 and 15, having forgiven us all our trespasses by the canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, he set it aside, nailing it on the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. See, Paul says that there is a debt to be paid, but God has canceled any debt owing to him. What is this debt, you may ask? It's referring to God's moral standard. Like God demands 100% obedience. Can you honestly say that over the past seven days, the last week since you were last here, were you 100% obedient to God? Or maybe the last 24 hours, can you honestly say that I 100% obedient to God? Do you know, every time we decide to do things our way and refuse to do it God's way, there's a debt to be paid. You know that. But look at the text, what it says about this debt. This debt stood against us. You see that? The record of debt 
is against us, it's accusing us, it's condemning us, it's hostile to us, it's pointing at us, it's not on our side, it's against us. And the picture here in the text is someone knocking at your front door with handcuffs to take you away because you could not pay your debt. And here's the penalty, not imprisonment, but death. That's the picture in the text, that you cannot pay your debt And the penalty is not jail, it is death, it is execution. But God is so wonderful that when they came, they look at your record and the slate has been wiped clean. It is clean as whistle, there is nothing there. The God who said this in Isaiah 43, he says, I I am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake and I will not remember your sins. That's the God who says, I wipe it clean. But how did he do it? Look in the text back in Colossians. It was nailed on the cross. See, God gave up his son. Nailed on the cross means that He died on the cross and through his death and resurrection, our debt was cleared. Friends, that's the good news. That is the good news. It's good news because we could never pay our debt. God paid it for us. It's wonderful news because he did it all for us and he wipes it clean and there's no record there to accuse us There's nothing there to point at us or condemn us or stood against us or be hostile to us. It's wiped clean. That's the good news. And I believe that that good news should never, ever be average or normal news. That we never reduce the gospel down to something that's happened in the past and doesn't really matter today. That we never reduce Jesus down to just a God that we think of every now and then if we ever come here regularly. Because during the week, what captures our attention is this world and no longer the beauty of Jesus. May we never be like those little kids and toddlers fixated on their parents' phone and forget the wonderful surrounding this amazing Disney world. May you and I always be gripped by the beauty of Jesus so that he is always the center of our lives and nothing will capture our attention except the one who died for us and cleared our debts. The hymn writer, F. Crosby, he writes this hymn, O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood, to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes, that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. How wonderful was that? I started off my message by asking you the question, what is capturing your attention these days? My prayer is that you never forget that we have a possession, identification, regeneration, a cancellation, that the beauty of Jesus will always grip our hearts. He will always 
capture our attention. That we never reduce Jesus to just a God that we think of every now and then. A God that comes to mind when we are here on a Sunday. A God that we might cry out for help when we nearly really want to pass that test or apply for that job. Like me driving home along Mount Bay Road and just going, this is just normal. Oh, there's this one river. Oh, there's the blue shed. Oh, I nearly hit a tourist. But rather, every day, Jesus captures our attention. That we focus on Him. We're always thinking about Him. Every day, we remember Him. In the morning, when we get up, very end of the night before we go to bed we go wow you're so wonderful you're so beautiful you're all that I need if you're all that I have I am complete Jesus you are everything may God bless you Sun Life Church wherever you are on the journey of following Jesus wherever you are that God reminds you of his beauty that in him Wow, you have this amazing possession. You have God, the fullness of God. In Him, there's a new identity. Sons and daughters of the Most High. In Him, wow, there's regeneration. You're new, no longer old. And in Him, the cancellation of any debt that stood accusing you, condemning you, hostile to you and you love Him more and more each day, and you're gripped by His beauty, and you fix your eyes upon Him, and you never reduce Him, but rather explore the magnitude of His love and His grace for you as you grow in following Jesus day by day. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You so much for the beauty of Jesus. Thank You so much that, oh, wow, we are so blessed that we have Jesus. Jesus, you are all that we need. We refuse to hear the voice of this world saying that we need more. No, we have you. That's all we need. So Jesus, would you help us to keep our eyes upon you and we keep focusing on you, that nothing of this world will draw our attention off you. Help us, Lord, wherever we are on our journey, Bless us, God, that every day we take a step closer to following you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. But why don't we stand up? Let's worship. Let's respond to the teaching of God's word. Maybe as we sing, there's something God is saying to you. Maybe it's time to confess. Maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to say, Jesus, would you help me to see your beauty over and over again? Will you grip me again? I want to love you over again. I don't want to reduce you to someone who's average and normal and predictable. I want to explore your beauty over and over again. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's do this.